Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Physical Therapy proudly present Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast devised to help emerging and experienced therapy leaders learn more about various topics relevant to outpatient therapy services. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast series. Today, I'm excited to welcome uh, Dr. Joseph Laporta, an expert in leadership, and talk about habits of success. So welcome, Joe. Thank you, Richard. Uh, excited to uh, join you today. Thank you. So not only are you a successful leader, you actually an author as well. And the genesis of this podcast was actually I was reading a book called Habits of Success and you'd, you'd actually written a chapter. So I was excited to, to chat with you about that. Before we dive into the, the weeds, I'd love perhaps you to talk a little bit to our listeners about your background and you know, how your work experience has kind of helped you become uh, the leader that you are today. Sure. Happy to walk you through that. I I guess as I think about my background and where work started for me, it might be a little unique in the sense that I I started work very early in life. At the age of eight, my brothers and sisters and I actually worked for my father's asphalt company. So I was fetching tools in the hot sun at the, I guess, the tender age of eight. And by the age of 12, I was operating the steamroller for my father's company. So he had us out there, there humping very early. Uh, Philosophically, he was uh, a self-made man and an entrepreneur himself. So he thought most problems could be solved with, with good work. So, so he really tried to instill that ethic in us. Uh, at a very young age. So that's really where work started for me. And the only reason I mention that uh, you know, is because I, I, I think I think those work experiences give us an opportunity, although very young, give us an opportunity to condition ourselves to to work within a team, to understand kind of the value of the dollar, what's expected, things of that nature. So so I always mention that just just because I I, I think and not not necessarily promoting that everybody should start work at eight, but I, I think for me it was certainly beneficial and and really provided me a nice grounding of of the definition of work and and expectations and 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 really and really just gave me good fundamentals. So so I have been conditioned to work throughout my life. I've always enjoyed it. I've always felt like it it was a path to much greater things. And once again, that that really just came from from my upbringing. When, of course, when when we got home from work, I had to grab my baseball glove, and I was sunburned, and I had all kinds of we'll say gasoline and and kerosene on my arms, and and that's when you did your your homework, and and that's when you. You went and you played athletics is when you got home from work. So, so that's kind of that's kind of the the upbringing that that I came from. By my middle years, I started to become much more academically inclined, starting to understand the value of an education. Also, started playing high school sports. Got very involved in student government. So that was another, I, I guess, period of time where. I felt like had a major impact in, in kind of my progression. Once again, pre-professional life, but as I think back and reflect, very important in the overall in the overall path that I've taken. So, so attended college uh, like like most folks. I, I felt like this was the path for me. In those early years, I actually had thought that I wanted to be an attorney. So, I I studied law early on. 
And by my junior year, and and I don't know if it if it was just hunger setting in, but but I was really anxious to get out and work and and start making some money and and started to change direction a little bit. So by my senior year in college, I had the opportunity to do an internship, and I would recommend those experiences for anybody. But uh, this internship really opened my eyes more on the commercial side. So was was actually able to work for a company called Northwestern Mutual Life. I was a college intern. It was selling life and health insurance to college students. Certainly not the ideal product that the college students are interested in, but honed my skills and in, in understanding financial analysis, those types of solutions. Also gave me a different perspective about the importance of thinking ahead. And believe it or not, there were college students in those days that said, hey, this is important. I need to uh, buy some life insurance. So so had a very successful run as a, a college agent. But, but mid-year, senior year, I had decided that that financial services really wasn't what really excited me. I absolutely loved the idea that uh, you could help people. So so I identified that as, as being very important for me moving forward. But I also became very intrigued with healthcare. My father had a chronic illness. He 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 was challenged with this through through many years and and we would see him struggle with this and and I was often with him when he was going for care, etc. And I became intrigued with that. And, and I also know he was very frustrated with some of the, the experiences of care that he had had. So became very intrigued with that, Found felt like there was a better way to create a better experience, even at, at that age. So became, in, I, I would say, more intrigued with healthcare. And, and last but not least, and, and I had mentioned this earlier, by, by then I had lost my father. So financial, my financial situation was, was challenged. So, so making money and becoming more independent became very important to me by, my, by the end of my senior year. So I, I figured out, hey, healthcare is my path. I, I think sales and marketing is probably uh, a great fit for me at the time. And I got started. So I think I had sent out roughly 1,500 resumes six months out of graduating. And of course, you play the numbers and that garnered so many responses, which garnered so many interviews, was offered a a job with a Fortune 50 company, which I was really excited about. And I always mention this story, but this Fortune 50 company, two weeks prior to my start, I was to start this position inside sales for a very large, prestigious company. And they called me two weeks out and said, hey, we just wanted to let you that your job has been eliminated. So I, I thought this was pretty interesting. I hadn't even started the position yet, and I was laid off. But that was an eye-opening experience for me, to, to never take anything for granted. The, the other, I think, key learning there for me was I had sent out so many resumes and had been on so many interviews that I really was getting better at better at the experience, understanding the questions more thoroughly, understanding how to answer them with specific examples, et cetera. So I had a plan B and C just from the the quantity of experiences that I had garnered in the last six months of this activity. So although I was disappointed, I had was able very quickly, within a, a week or two after that, was able to identify another medical supply company, family-owned company. So it wasn't that prestigious Fortune 50 company that uh, I thought was the best path. But actually, this turned out to be better for me. 
a smaller company gave me the opportunity to first work within the distribution and manufacturing plan. That was their path, which learning from the ground up, I think, is is just such a wonderful opportunity. So I would recommend that for for everybody. I, I know we always want to start in those higher positions. Maybe they feel a little more prestigious, but if you can get that hands-on experience and and start at the bottom, if you will, I just think it gives you a great baseline of everything else you're going to do in your career. So so that's what I did my first year. I actually worked for a healthcare company in, in the warehouse, picking, packing, fixing medical equipment. And after about a year, I was moved into customer service and spent about three months in customer service. But but what I think was was really exciting for me was that an open territory opened up, an open sales territory. Now, I was still a fairly young guy at the time, but this particular company was breaking into a new market, which was on the east side of Chicago. Not a glamorous territory by no means, but but I knew I knew the city well. I was comfortable in those markets, and I I, I went to work. I in those days you had a calculator, you had a catalog, and you had a bunch of samples in in your trunk. And that that's really I would say my first kind of professional experience in in medical sales. And and it was a new territory, and and I certainly had a lot of key key lessons along the way. But but that that was the start. And then from that period, with success and certainly with mistakes my career began to progress. I started taking on larger territories, eventually managing 500 sales and marketing folks for a Fortune 50 company. So eventually I worked my way back to that Fortune 50 company, which was really interesting, but I just took a a different path, perhaps. And, And then after managing sales and marketing for this very large national company, I had an opportunity then to take on operations. So that was a progression going from sales, marketing, now operations, which to do that, and certainly there was there was a lot of sacrifice along the way, relocated six times throughout my career. I was that person that always raised my hand when the, the, the tough assignment came up or there was something that needed to be executed on. Nobody else wanted to touch it. We'll we'll say the more riskier roles. So I was that person that was really excited about taking on those those tough assignments and those new and different opportunities. So so that was really my path. After taking on operations, uh, what what came upon after that was was even more exciting for me because uh, I had the opportunity to, we'll say, run your own shop, if you will, uh, by the age of 40, um, taking on a CEO role for a medical device company out of Wisconsin. So so, so that, that was my entree into the C-suite. Uh, it, it was a turnaround situation, losing a couple million dollars a year. Um, so lots of key learnings along the way. But but it was a really it was really a path that was progressive and very diverse, working in just about every now functional area of the business, small companies, large companies, a fair amount of success and failure along the way, which I, I think is all good. So so I, th- I think I think that probably takes me to the C-suite. Yeah, that's great. Quite a remarkable journey. I'm sure the OSHA would probably have something to say nowadays about <laughs> spreading asphalt. But it's it's interesting that I think at such a young age, you experienced many life lessons that I'm sure 
helped you in as an early careerist as well, uh, perhaps, that perhaps if he hadn't done those things, it may have, um, may have slowed down perhaps the trajectory and growth as a professional. The world around us is changing rapidly, and so is our preference for how, where, and when we choose healthcare. That's where Agile Virtual Physical Therapy answers the call. Agile Virtual Physical Therapy provides patients with a comprehensive telehealth solution, making PT convenient, safe, and accessible across the entire country. For providers and employers looking to equip their employees with additional preventative and continual care, Agile Virtual Physical Therapy delivers the comfort and convenience patients want with the quality care they deserve from professional licensed physical therapists. To learn more, visit agilevirtualphysicaltherapy.com. National. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one thing that we talk about in the book uh, that that when I, I I can provide many examples of of adversity, and uh, often I, I think we we shy away from adver- adversity or adverse situations and. And whether it comes at you organically or it's kind of self-inflicted, adversity in many ways really makes us better professionals. So I I give the example of persistence, right? So in sales, there's a lot of rejection. However, if you study the statistics, the sales experts will tell you that a sale typically on average is not closed until you reach at least five sales calls. Now, the average salesperson typically doesn't make two. So, so you learn, I, I think, by that, re- that rejection, how to be more persistent and how to hang in there and, and realize the win, if you will, by, by that persistence. I mean, so, so I think adversity certainly teaches us a lot, teaches us to, to, to just keep at it, stay at it, makes us battle-tested, how to perform under high levels of stress, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think a lot of people want the comfortable road and it's interesting as part of your career, you actually purposefully chose assignments that were not only tough, but actually you you had to sacrifice something. Certainly a lot of skin in the game. I assume being heavily vested in the outcome really probably was a factor in, in doubling down and working even harder to be successful because that's what it took, yes? You, you, you bring up a good point. I think about it as I reflect on my career. I, I did purposely take on some tough assignments that, that some folks that were more senior to me said, hey, Joe, are you sure you want to do this? This could be a career killer. And I was just really passionate about fixing, building, and creating those what I call before and after stories. There's nothing more exciting to stepping into an assignment or a role that's really challenged. And you're able to sort it out, develop a plan, work through the chaos, and then execute on this new plan or vision. And in some situations, you're you're saving employees' jobs, you're saving shareholder value. So I really got jazzed up, especially earlier on in my career, about those tough assignments. And I've had I've had some startup experience where we took a company public. I've, I've had several turnarounds that uh, I was a part of. And when you're in it, it, it doesn't always feel as, as exciting as the idea or thought. But when you come out the other end, you look back and, and you, you think about those various scenarios uh, that you were placed in. 
And what I try to tell leaders is I'm, I'm not... I'm not saying that this should be your path or every leader's perpetual path, but certainly taking on a, a turnaround or some sort of startup during the path of your career is, is really beneficial. And, and what I tell people is it, it, it more than anything, it builds your toolbox. And people look at me like, and it's kind of blue collar speak, if you will. But when I talk about your toolbox, I, I'm talking about your skill set and your style set. Because you're placed in so many adverse situations when you, you step into these assignments, you're running at a fast pace, you have to make the decisions on the fly with little information, all, all doing this morally, ethically, and legally appropriate in that manner. So, so I think it builds this toolbox that as you move forward in your career, you can always reach back and say, ah, I ran into this before. And you reach back into that toolbox and maybe you, you pull out a, an appropriate style for that situation. As the, 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 the position brings you different situations and challenges every day. So as you, as you excel and mature as a leader, having that toolbox to draw from those experiences really can help you respond in, in, a, in a more appropriate and, and better way. Now, in the chapter that you, you write, you talk about a number of attributes and behaviors that really combine to lead to success. And we've mentioned adversity as one of them. And we've touched on the others, but you, you, you kind of have four that you've, you've put forward and propose as really the keys for success. Adversity is the first, and then you write down, we cover them in a way, relentless hard work and quality work. With your experiences and what we've talked about, certainly we, I think we understand perhaps the relentlessness of it, the idea that you just have to keep pushing forwards. You have to just, you're in the trenches to a certain extent. Yep. Um, and then you have to, to kind of work your way through. Uh, you can't really just kind of opt out halfway through and then then hard work and quality so i don't know if you want to perhaps expand on any of those three that that those three factors that really i believe and and you write about as being the the keys to success sure so just to get to get realigned i do talk about this this combination in the book and you mentioned three or three or four of those items and and the concept here is about the power of the experience and the attributes combined with the quantity of the work. And when you combine those two, and I'll, I'll give you some, some great examples, there, there's just this mysterious power that uh, I think an executive can have. It takes time to, to kind of gain this power, if you will. But, but think about an attorney, an attorney who who sticks with it, if you will, who's relentless, starts building a client base and who decides that they're going to work with more clients, who's going to have more cases. So you think about the quantity of those cases is going to increase the attorney's success, right? Think about a clinician and well, physical therapy, for example, the more visits, right? The, the better acumen, the better outcome for that clinician. So, so that's just another example. And, and you can think about any career, a tax accountant. The, the, the more taxes that that accountant executes on, the more they learn along the way, the faster they get. 
and the better outcomes for their clients. So I think in every, every pretty much every fashion, you see that relentlessness, that's kind of sticking with it, right? Sticking with it. The hard work when, and hard work for everybody is different, right? I always talk about intensity of the work as well as the length of time. That to me was a simplistic way of, of defining hard work. But but then you you combine it with this quantity, day in and day out, just honing your skills. So as I think about sales, I would make sometimes 40 sales calls in a day. So after months of making 40 sales calls in a day, uh, majority of the calls are rejection-based. So many experiences with clinicians during those conversations where they're testing you. You're, you're put into so many situations because of the quantity, you're building your expertise out. So so for, for folks that are moving up in their career, I often say, think about getting in the repetitions of what you do, and that's going to make you better at whatever you do. So that's really the concept be, behind uh, that, that chapter and, and those four premises. Most orthotic manufacturers take a one-shape-fits-all approach to solving lower body pain symptoms. They focus on arch support for temporary pain relief, which can lead to inefficiencies and injuries. BioCorrect does things differently. With 25 years of experience, BioCorrect knows that everyone has unique needs. BioCorrect is a fully customizable foot orthotic system engineered to address and treat the biomechanical imbalances of your entire body. BioCorrect, more than just an insert. To learn more, visit us at biocorrect.com. Yeah, touching on the concept that a lot of people want comfort rather than adversity or sacrifice. I think the other component that is, is people I find emerging leaders want a shortcut they want to have the bigger title, the more responsibility early in their career. And I find it very difficult to slow them down and say, hey, there's there's some mileage that you need to complete to then be able to be successful in that larger role. And I'm I'm trying to educate them to help them make sure they're successful in the next role, because I know that if they don't get those experiences, early on, um, then they're not going to be successful at some point in their career. Would you agree with that? I, I totally agree. And and of course, and, and I was the same way and you probably were the same way. Uh, I, I think at that point, you're, you're so excited and passionate about what, what you do and you want to accelerate your path, but, but it can be reckless if somebody, especially as a clinician, it moves too quickly, right? So, so I, I think as a good leader, you you do have to manage people's expectations. I think more than anything, though, if if you can really, and I I, I tell a lot of uh, clinic directors this, if you can really show your employees a path, though, show them a path to the C-suite, if you will. At my current organization, I worked very closely with HR to chart out that path from the production line all the way to the C-suite. I think when you can show people that, that assists with we'll say calming calming the passion down a little bit but but i i think it's a good thing and and listen if if somebody moves too quickly they could find themselves in a position where things get corrected pretty quick we always hear that story about that person who really didn't earn it and they were promoted because of politics or relationship 
that that does happen. Probably not as much as people think, even though sometimes we will we'll often go to that place. But but those people are typically found out pretty quick, and you can you can get knocked back, terminated. Something catastrophic could happen. So you you do want to manage your expectations uh, with reality, and uh, of course work closely with with senior leadership to make sure that you're partnering on a path. Uh, when we talk about the the four factors, the adversity, relentless, hard work, and quality of work, perhaps I'm diving into the weeds a little bit here, but do you think there's really a weighting at all? Do you think one is more important than the other, or is it really just equal doses um, of each? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that it depends on which position you're in, but but I I think I think often it is equal. But this is the difference. The difference is that it's it's equal in the long run if you want to be truly a balanced leader. In the short run, you might be called to do something. We'll, we'll say in the waiting scale, not at 25%, but maybe for the next six months, you'll have to do something at 80%. I, and I have countless examples of this. There was a period of time where we needed to open up a couple manufacturing plants in Malaysia. And I needed to adjust personally and professionally to get this done. So I was really focused on that. I couldn't say at that time I had a lot of balance in the various weighting scales. Now, certainly there was a lot of hard work. I was being relentless and figuring things out and getting things done. There was some of it was quality as we were ramping up. The quality improved. But but I don't often think that it's it's every day is not going to be balanced. I think it's good to try. But it's just, I don't think it's realistic. Yeah. I just think with, to be a good leader, I think it's three things. One is book smarts. You have to have a certain understanding of of academic side, how to do something. The second is experience. Uh, And then the third is, I would say, kind of street smarts. And what I feel I'm hearing is the starting at a young age, the types of things that you've done, the assignments you've had, not only before college, but certainly uh, during your career since leaving college, has not only uh, developed the, the experience side, but certainly provide you with some street smarts as well. Perhaps, uh, I don't know if uh, that's you understand what I'm trying to say, but I, I think there's three components and you you can't you have to have all three to truly be successful as your leader. Well I, I think you and I both know that we we can run into some leaders that are lacking perhaps in certain areas. It's not that uncommon. Many of us continue to be works in progress, but but I, I can't disagree with anything you say. I mean, I often don't talk about my upbringing on the south side of Chicago in the city, but but there was a lot of practicality that that gave me. Just under once again, just kind of understanding how to maneuver in an environment that potentially was dangerous, where the people around you have a very limited limited vision. So you don't have a network of support. Oftentimes the options are are very limited. Where I grew up, you're either going to be a crook or a cop. 
So, so you choose that path, but you mentioned education and training. I talk about often those work experiences, but along the way, I was doing all those things that I think one should do to eventually sit in our chair. And, and then today, typically that requires a, a master's degree or perhaps a doctorate. I, I went back and got my Lean Six Sigma Black Belt certification, which was a, a pretty challenging program for me. But that really helped me with the operational piece that I had just taken on during that period of time. So to your point, education and, and training is very critical. And, and think about it. I mean, you, you can't do that typically during the the, your nine to five day. So you're doing that in the evenings and on the weekends, which teaches you different lessons, right? Organization. And once again, persistence. There were several times that you're like, do, do I really need to do this? It's expensive. And you're giving up social part of your social life. And, and of course, that relentlessness comes out and you're like, oh, I'm going to finish this. So, so I think education and training, you're, you're absolutely right. I common sense, I think you're absolutely right. And then of course, experience, you, you, you can't, and that's part of my message here is put the time in, try to be patient, put the time in, but don't stop learning. Don't, do not expect that you should just float along and be on somebody else's path. You have to work with, with your supervisor to create your own path. You have to you have to be active and doing research, benchmarking, talking to other people that that you want to become in essence. all that's act, active work. So you, you have to be actively engaged within your path and your journey. And what I've found is once you become a senior leader, it doesn't stop, does it either really? You're continually trying to again further develop oneself from a knowledge perspective and then experiential learning. There's unique challenges. It's not as if you know, there's a there's this path and then once you get to to a senior leader, it it, it all ends and and it, it everything's rosy and you just uh, smell the roses. It, it's 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 ongoing, isn't it? Even as a senior leader, you, you know, you, you do think coming up in the ranks. And I have to admit, early on in graduate school, there there was a professor that pulled me aside, and 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 kind of abruptly said, "What do you want to do with your life?" And and I had a good job, and I was getting my master's degree, so I felt like I was in a good place. And he basically said that, "Listen, you you got to figure out what the end game is now." And here I was probably 24 at the time. And we, we spent a lot of time together. And, and he, he basically said, listen, I believe in you. And, and I think that someday you're going to be a great CEO. And I had never had anybody tell me that. So that gave me some, that gave me some direction of what the possibilities could be. And it was so, I was so fortunate to, to have that kind of run in with a mentor and a, and a professor because that changed my course that that advice and and I think I even still have the card that he gave me where he wrote that so so from that point on I started being pretty strategic about what I wanted to do and and again getting the the right education and and the right training too making sure that I'm networking appropriately and and strategically what would be the positions I would need to to be at and for how long to get to, to this next place. But I always understood that unless you can execute, um, unless you can get something done, unless you had the notches in the belt, be, be very difficult, very difficult to get there. So so I was focused on that. Now, I was probably at some point pretty strategic about it um, because of some of those interactions from mentors. 
I think uh, a lot of people aren't so purposeful, are they? I don't think whilst whilst people may have the idea of what they want their endpoint to be, they don't necessarily in detail uh, map out that that route to that point. And I think the more purposeful one is the more likely you are to get to that point and be successful once you get to that point. So you mentioned about taking on various assignments that were very different to one another, but overall they fitted the the various steps to be able to get to that end. At Alliance, we believe that partnership means creating something greater than the sum of its parts. Our focus is finding physical therapy practices with a strong culture and thriving community and providing them with additional tools, resources, and expertise to take their practice to the next level. To learn more about joining our nationwide community of outpatient physical therapy practices, visit our website at alliancepp.com. Endpoint, didn't they? They, they did. I mean, I've you know, been in healthcare uh, 33 years and and uh, both products, services, I mean, I've spent time in healthcare IT, medical supply, medical device, outpatient services, um, outsourced services, and each one of them, you, you could probably say, hey, they're they're different. But, but as I reflect on that, in, in so many ways, they're really not that much different. And all of those experiences really helped me bring more to the next assignment. So, so it's actually, that diversity has actually been good for me. You mentioned something that's it's a little comical in the sense that goes back to that story. So thinking that I was going to be this CEO someday, I, I thought, wow, it's like I'm the guy. I can develop the vision. I can implement uh, full autonomy. But what you realize is as you climb the ladder, there are these other levels that once you lift your head out, head head above of, of water, if you will, you've got a board of directors that you report to. And if you're somebody that, and you should be somebody that's constantly challenging yourself, I think you're going to keep finding and looking for ways to improve or maybe new and different things to do that continue to elevate you intellectually and, and in a competitive sense. When you outline a set of rules about being relentless, and we've talked about a lot of this, the idea of the right experiences, continuous learning, taking action. And the last one that I find very interesting is you say being true to oneself. What do you mean when you talk about being true to oneself? Sure. So so I, I often, and, and more probably I experienced this earlier in my career, as I was learning, as I was working with customers and I was working with my own supervisors, often we're given feedback or often things happen that aren't necessarily great along the way. And, and I find that sometimes some folks can be in denial. And I think it's because there's a level of embarrassment. There's this false expectation that we've got to do everything right all the time. There's optics where we believe that, hey, if, if someone finds this out, they're not going to think that I'm competent. They call that the imposter uh, syndrome. But, but I think these things happen early on in your career. And, and, and at some point, I recognize that by reflecting on what, what I just experienced. And oftentimes when things didn't go right, when I was true to myself and said, oh, Joe, honestly, did, did you handle this 
the best way possible or the most appropriate way? Or was there a better angle to think about before you made this decision? So I find myself, at least for the last 20 years, always looking back and doing that reflection, sometimes weekly, just just to double check myself. And, and I think when you can do that, when you can be honest with yourself, there's a lot of growth there. So, so I, I, think it's, I think it's a great tool to use. And by making these mistakes, you know, you often, if, if you use those mistakes appropriately, that can propel your career. Yeah, it's interesting. It reminds me of a conversation I had with one guest about self-awareness and the idea that I think it was 85% of people aren't self-aware. And uh, obviously one of the tools for self-awareness is, is kind of reflection. And I, I think self-awareness is so vital, isn't it? And being prepared to be critical of oneself, one's behaviors and, and analyze experiences to, to then be able to improve uh, and, and move forwards. Absolutely. Obviously, time is always against us on these things. What I perhaps like to ask, and again, it's a very unfair question because it really could could go uh, anywhere, is the, the podcast is for uh, aspiring uh, healthcare leaders or owners of practices. As it pertains to habits for success and what we've talked about. Do you have any other final thoughts for, for this group that you'd like to share? There's a lot of ingredients for success. So some of the ones that that come to mind, if if I were to to offer them up to you, would be, you know, first and foremost, don't, don't let anybody dictate your path forward. I, I'm a true believer that with some of these aspects and those qualities that you and I talked about, that that we're capable of, of of doing so much. So so don't let anybody dictate your future on your behalf. Take control of that. Number two, don't wing it. Um, oftentimes we go into meetings, we send emails, we make presentations. Perhaps it's a sales call. Maybe it's a patient intervention. And and I see people wing it. And I would just say that some of these interactions are just so critical. To, to what we do in, in our work work life that that you should prepare. So make sure that you spend ample enough time preparing. There's an old saying if and, and this is an Abraham Lincoln saying, it's not a, a Joe saying, but but if if Abraham Lincoln had six hours to chop down a tree, he would spend the first four hours sharpening his blade. So so I would say prepare. The the next thing that I would say is take on those tough assignments new and different roles, even if they're a little scary, relocate, do the startup. Take, so, so take some risk in your career. And, and I think that'll pay dividends. The next thing is, and this is really critical, is you have to get stuff done. You have to execute, especially whether you're a clinical leader or a commercial leader, you have to develop that portfolio of before and after stories. You stepped into this, this is what you did, this was the outcome. And, 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 and it really is, is, is all about just finding that way to get stuff done every day. Stay hungry would be another one. And when I say stay hungry, you mentioned it earlier, it, it just never stops. Continue to, to find a, a way to challenge yourself, to improve, to learn more, to be better. And, and probably I'll end with the last one, which it, 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 you, you just see dying off a little bit 
with some of the younger generations is really understand the fundamentals of business. And what I say about that is being on time, shaking a hand appropriately, follow-up, understanding the data, staying late, all, all those kind of fundamental things that we should know that seem to be dying off. Send a thank you note. So, so I think I, I think those are, are really those are really refreshing fundamentals that that any potential employer would like. Wise words. Thank you, Joe, so much. It's been a pleasure, as always, and certainly a lot to to chew on and for people to think about. So, I appreciate it. Yeah, enjoyed it, Richard. This podcast was brought to you by Alliance Physical Therapy Partners. Want more expertise and information? Visit our website at alliancepptp.com and follow us on social media. You can find links below in the description. As always, thank you for listening.